Blade Brothers. Perfectly constructed point. And surprises everybody, I feel, by breaking back. Nicole's parents, they get very nervous, especially Doug Provis, watching Nicole play. Never forget your first, and our guest this week is, uh, with the Australian Open in town, a, a, a very appropriate time to talk to Nicole Bradke, former tennis champion of this country. Hello, Nicole. How are you going? Oh, I'm well, thanks, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're going to go back and uh, drag up a few memories, all good ones, I hope. Well, I hope so, too, and hopefully <laughs> I can remember some of the small details. Well, you started playing when you were seven years old, so it's it's going to be, there's going to be childhood memories in here almost. Yeah, well, I probably started a little earlier than that because I used to get dragged along to, well, not dragged along, but my mum played a lot of tennis and she probably played four to five times a week. So um, I would go along with her and just pestered her when she finished her matches to get out in the court and that's how my tennis journey started. So is that, 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 that's your first memory of sort of tennis as, as something that yeah. you're really passionate about? Yeah, exactly. Down at, at, at Frankston Tennis Club, um, when mum would play midweek ladies and uh, I would go along with her and when she'd finished, I would go and hit. Mum's side of the family were big tennis players. So yep. um, um, I just that was something that we did. And when I, I had the hand-eye coordination because my dad played baseball for Australia and very good cricketer and golfer and just the hand-eye coordination was there. So they went with it. Well, you remember your first racket, like your first proper racket? Yeah. Yeah, it was a wooden John Newcomb racket. Oh, wow. So I was sort of the latter stages of um, the wooden racket being phased out. But, yeah, it was a white sort of John Newcomb wooden racket. And then I think I progressed to an Oliver racket, which um, my pe- people of my age would kind of remember. <laughs> right. Which was the first kind of proper tournament racket that you got? Was there, was there one of those that uh, sort of lives in your memory? Well, I think it probably would have been a Dunlop racket at that stage because they were pretty much all the rage. And I think around about when I started playing junior tournaments, which would have been around about 10, sort of the aluminium racket would have come into play then and sort of that was Flasinger and Dunlop were sort of the top couple of rackets that – that spring to mind that I that I got given. So, what was the most important part of your uh, of your kit? Was it was it your racket? Was it your shoes? What was what was your your thing that you were you had your mind set on? Well, my mum always liked me to look really nice, so she used to make my tennis clothes, which were very very cute and nice. Um, so, looking good was, was yeah. if, you, if you look good, then you you, you tend to play well. So, Absolutely. Um, that was that was great, and then I don't think you really start getting quite picky about tennis rackets until you get a little bit older and nothing compared to what the players are, are like today that, that change rackets or, or restrings after, you know, seven and nine games when new balls come into play. Yeah. So, um, you know, back in my day when I was just starting out, it was, um, you know, you, you got what you were given and you just played. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first tournament win? Do you remember that? Well, I don't remember my first tournament win, but it, it, it would have been a junior tournament. Yeah. So, you know, nowadays when you're starting off, if you compare it, they used to have 10 and under tournaments. They do now. Well, we never had that. It was sort of 12 and under. So I would have been young playing. I was about 10 when I was playing. So Jeez. so tournaments. So, look, I was quite fortunate that 
as soon as I started playing, I did okay because I was a consistent player. Um, got a lot of balls in, wore a lot of my opponents down and things like that. So um, I started, I was fortunate to start winning quite early. Yeah. And I mean, you, you've, you've got on the circuit really early too, didn't you? You turned pro yeah. fairly, fairly early. Now, well, yeah. I mean, we talked about the Australian Open and the fact that that's on at the moment. Uh, was, 85, was 85 your first Australian Open as a, as a player? Yeah, it was. It was the last year that it was played at Kuyong. Oh. So, and I, and that's kind of where I got my first break. I got a wild card into the main draw and I played a French player named Sophie Amiak, who actually does a lot of commentary now for TV around the world. Right. And I was on one of the back courts at Kuyong and I won. I won in straight sets and then I got to play Martina Navratilova on centre court. So, and I think I lost 6 2, 6 3, which wasn't too bad. Yep. Considering I hadn't really played a lot of tennis on grass, I grew up on. Well, what people would know here in Melbourne would be anti-car courts, which are now called clay courts. Yeah. So, um, I did I did reasonably well, and that was really the kickstart for me to go off and start playing on the tour. So, when was the first time that you kind of realised yeah. in your own head that tennis was going to be what you were going to do as a as something that would take you around the world, not just something you did? Well, it was about yeah, it was probably about sixteen. I was sort of. Heading into year 12 at school, I'd just finished year 11 and I had a half-decent ranking that if I did travel that would get me into a lot of the main draws. And so um, I said to Dad, I'm going to give it a go for a year and see if I like it and if I have success and um, all those sorts of things. And if I didn't, then I would go back and do my year 12. And as it turned out, um, I didn't go back and do my year 12. (laughs) I ended up, you know, travelling the world and and having quite... um, quite success but I do remember my first WTA tournament I won which was pretty exciting I won um, the Australian Women's Hard Court so that was um, up in Brisbane when it was played at the old Milton Court yeah geez I remember that and um, yeah at Milton so I think they're still there the tennis courts there it's just they tried to sell it off as as land for housing, but I think the land that it's on is like it's in a floodplain. I was going to say, wasn't it about 40 40 foot underwater there a couple of years back? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So they can't really sell it for anything else. I still think that the old stands are there and um, the rebound ace courts are all in there. So, yeah, that was my memory. And it was really hot, I remember. And I I played Rachel McClellan in the final. So that was my first... That was 1992. Yeah, so it was... um, that was that was there my first big singles win. Oh, that that first uh, that first Australian Open you played in '85. Did, did uh, is that still kind of like you? Did you feel like a a, a young girl, a little a little kid in the lolly factory almost? Oh, oh yeah, I did, and and also at um, when it was played at Kuyong the last year, um, it, it was the exact same feeling um, that a lot of you know that hasn't changed with the players that are coming through now. Like you've got Coco Goff and. Um, Ash Barty, you still got, you know, they're getting wild cards into tournaments and you're making your way onto the tour and, you know, some have success quite earlier on and it's, it's all very daunting and it's fantastic. And then you get, as the years progress, you sort of get settled in and get to tournaments that you play and things like that. And I used to have to go away for long periods of time because coming from Australia, it just, you know, going back and forth the whole time was it's just not feasible the whole time. So, um, I tend to have really big, long stints in Europe in the middle of the year, say, you know, before the French Open. And then um, I sort of used to come home after after Wimbledon and then head to the US. So, um, 
great memories and I thoroughly enjoyed my time while playing tennis. It, it wasn't, I mean, we talk about how, how small the world's become now uh, with uh, with travel and all that sort of stuff and, and with access to, to actually understanding uh, overseas because you see so much of it now on the internet and stuff. But it, was, yeah. it really was a big bad world when you jumped on a plane and, and sort of went away in 86 to, to travel the world as a tennis player. Oh, it certainly was. I remember Dad used to, you know, at, at sleep at bedtime with the, the little radio to... Yeah. Hear, hear the scores or, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, the phones that, the iPhones and that, that everyone has now and I used to reverse charges back to mum and dad to let them know <laughs> how I would go. But I mean, I was fortunate enough that mum and dad could come away with me at times because my sister was four years younger than me so someone had to stay at home and, and dad was the CEO of a, a big company back at home so... Um, I was fortunate that the year that he did come away with me when I got to the semis of the French that he actually could come away for a month with me and I happened to do really well. So that was that was exciting as well. Those first few years on the tour for you must have been unbelievable when you look back on it because, I mean, 87 Wimbledon, a mixed doubles runner-up and you know, 88 you mentioned uh, the French Open in the semis. So you had an amazing yeah. run there for a, a sort of that, that, that initial sort of three or first foot, three or four years of your career. You must have been kind of pinching yourself, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, I did. I mean, I had a really great coach in Ken Richardson who um, had coached players um, before me who'd go, gone on the, on the tour, like Sue Leo and um, Anne Minter. And so he just knew exactly what to do, and he was a fantastic coach. Um, he was a great role model. It's a, it's a lot like um, Ash Barty has with Tizer now. So and he knew a lot of the players on tour and he would ask them to hit with me and, and things like that. So um, when I was going, I wasn't uh, too in awe of everything. I just went out and I played and I was consistent. And he just really led me along um, the right path in coaching and his wisdom. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm coaching these days. So what Ken taught me is what I'm teaching um, a lot of the kids that I coach now. You never forget your first. Nicole Bradkey's my guest on uh, on this segment. The first time you represented Australia was that? Uh, I mean, as as a, let's say as an adult, was that it? Was that eighty yeah. eight in the Fed Cup? Yeah, that would that would have been Fed Cup. And prior to that, um, junior tennis was heavily sponsored by McDonald's. So um, I would represent Australia in. Uh, we used to have um, a cup with the McDonald's Cup, and it was a US team, an Australian team, and a European team, and it was. They used to come out here and play. So that was kind of like my first representative as a junior yep. playing. And then I got sent, obviously, overseas in Australian junior teams quite early. I actually had my first overseas trip when I was 12. I went to America for six weeks so and played a lot of the junior tournaments and that when I was over there. So I was exposed to travelling and playing at a very young age. Most kids' first overseas trip is to America, yes, <laughs> and it's when they're about 10 or 11, but it's to go to Disneyland at An- in Anaheim with mum and dad, not to go and play <laughs> tennis against you know, a, a emerging international superstars. That's amazing. Yeah, well, it was sort of, um, you know, we got to stay with families, we got billeted out, and um, and once again, I was really successful on those tours. I think of the six tournaments that we played, I actually won three of them, so... Um, Wow. Yeah, it was um, a lot of success earlier on, which obviously led me to, to go onto the tour and, and have a relatively successful career. 
That, uh, that representing Australia, what, what, how, did, how did that feel for you? I mean, because you eventually finished up going and getting a, an Olympic medal out of it, but uh, was, yeah. was that, a, was that a, a, like a thrill in what is an individual sport for the most part? Oh, look, yeah, representing, I mean, the ways that for tennis representing your country were in a, in a couple of ways, obviously Fed Cup. Um, I played in a, a few different formats, home and away, or I played it when it was just played in one week. Um, I represented Australia for Hotman Cup, which was exciting. And then obviously um, when tennis came into it, I represented for, for tennis and was fortunate enough to win a, um, a bronze medal with Rachel McQuillan. Yep. So and then met my husband there as well. So um, <laughs> you know, tennis has um, been very good to me. Yeah, and well, and the Olympic Games are pretty good to you too. And from that point of view, yeah, it was. It was um, uh, Barcelona. Um, I, I just missed out on '88 and getting to uh, playing in Korea. Um, and then obviously uh, Barcelona was um, my first one, and then in Atlanta as well. So. Uh, um, yeah, represented my country quite a few, as many times as I possibly could in the format that you can with tennis. Um, you had uh, you had great success in uh, in France, obviously on on the clay. In, yeah. uh, uh, out of the Grand Slams, obviously the home one, but did did, did Wimbledon hold a special place because of the heritage of it uh, above the others? Or uh, I think they've all got their special um, ways that, um, and obviously depending on how you do, you tend to probably yeah. like that Grand Slam a little bit a little bit more, but. Um, I, I was quite adaptable. Um, I think that's the plus from coming from Australia. We do get to play on clay. We get to get to play on grass. So we're not in awe when we go onto those surfaces. So, um, you know, I got to the round of 16 in the singles at Wimbledon, a fourth round a few years in a row. I got to the final of the mix with Darren Cahill and a few semis of the double. So, yeah, there's, there's something about very special about walking into the All England Club, those beautiful doors and grounds. Yeah. But then you've got the French, which is really boutique and classy and not too big. And then, you know, the Australian Open so close to being downtown, city of Melbourne. Um, and it seems to be the Grand Slam that, that changes. It's very um, forward-thinking and then the way that they do things and getting things up and going. And then the US Open just in New York. It's this big concrete jungle, but... You know, you, you always like to do well in the Grand Slam. Uh, given that you played in the last, your first uh, was uh, was the last at Kooyong, and now you're seeing what they've done at Melbourne Park these days. Yeah. Uh, uh, just that's an extraordinary journey on its own to sort of uh, to, to have watched. Oh, look, we're very fortunate that it's used for other purposes as well, and I think that that's why um, it certainly gets the funding that it does from the government with concerts and and all those sorts of things where. The French can't do that. It's just purely tennis, and obviously Wimbledon's exactly the same, and the US Open is just a tennis venue. So um, it's just so close to the city. Um, it's more than just a tennis tournament. It's the entertainment, it's the food, it's all those sorts of things that that they bring into the venue, and they're just world-class venues that, um, that are multi-purpose. That when it does rain or when it is smoky or hot, yeah. that they can cr- close the roof and... and Three lots of matches can still keep playing. Yeah, it's, that is amazing. Uh, your your fondest memory of the Australian Open was it your double success with Mark Woodford? I think so. Um, you know, he just won the doubles um, that year with with my brother in law Todd Woodbridge, and um, it was kind of nice to get another one in the family for me. And and we we complimented each other the way having Mark been the left hander and that sneaky serve, and he volleyed so well and you know, lobbed and was quite crafty, which 
helped and, and I was quite solid and, and you know, we we won a couple of mixed titles together, which was um, which was fantastic. One of them against uh, your brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was That was a tough one, that one. He played with the ranch at Sanchez Vicario, who was a, a, a very solid Spanish player yeah. and... Um, yeah, we. I think we won in three sets, so it was a tough tussle that one. Uh, who was your first rivalry? Was it a junior level, or did it did it, did it happen on the circuit, or who was the first kind of person that yeah. you? Because uh, Rachel McCullen's name pops up a lot in uh, in in yeah. sort of your history as you go through it. Yeah, I played Rachel a lot, so I was fortunate enough to, you know, I played her in a few satellite tournaments and and things like that. So um, I was always quite confident of playing her and, and, and I really didn't lose that often to her, especially in finals and things like that. So that was my rivalry. But then as you probably tend to have more rivalries when you were playing in juniors and things like that. Yeah. And uh, But then when you get on the tour, there's so many different players and you're playing different people. I tended to play Steffi Graf a lot. I got, seemed to be in her side of the draw the whole time, but it was, I mean, it wasn't a rivalry, but I just seemed to end up on her side of the draw a lot of the time. Uh, your first thoughts of retirement. When did that? Uh, when did that yeah. sort of start? Um, just sort of when the body was sort of starting to to fail a little bit, and you know, I was nearing thirty. You know, that age. I'd been married for quite a few years. Mark was still um, playing lots of basketball, and you know, the thought of, of traveling all the time and being away. I sort of missed home a lot, and sort of didn't want to leave it too late to start trying to have a family and things like that. So. Um, you know, all those sorts of things had, had come into my mind and I just thought it was the right time. Mark was still playing and he was starting to get offers for playing overseas and things like that. Yeah. So that's how my retirement sort of came about. Um, uh, have, you, have you ever uh, had a thought in your head at any stage that tennis wouldn't be part of your life? Because it's been such a part of your life since, as you mentioned before, I said seven, but you started before that. So it's been forever. Yeah, it, I mean, it still isn't, and to this day, I'm, I'm still coaching, and um, I just think it's a it's a sport that you can play throughout your whole life. Um, it's great at, you know, if you're going into other businesses and things like that, if, if people play tennis, it's a great communicator with people. Um, my kids play, but they don't play tournaments or anything, but they still hit a nice ball, because I just think it's a nice um, thing to be able to do. Or if we go away on holidays, we always pack the rackets and we get out and have a hit. So I just think it's a, a lovely thing that if you can continue on throughout your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, I want I wanted to mention you know, your boys, obviously, very proud yeah. of, of the two of those, uh, yourself and Mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Austin's 19 and he was fortunate. Played basketball most of his career, but also played footy. And then obviously with the rookie B, got picked up by... Um, Melbourne and so this is the start of his second year and he's thoroughly enjoying it loving it and re- really progressing well and, and you know at six foot more well, eight and a bit nearly six foot nine <laughs> quite tall and mobile and then my baby who's 15 is six foot seven at 15 is six foot seven so he's very tall and but he's a basketballer he's a fair weather footy player so um, he's going along great guns and He's at school and, yeah, life's really good. You, me- you mentioned that they play tennis. No no pangs that they didn't sort of uh, have a crack at a, a professional tennis uh, sort of journey? No, they thought tennis players were a bit crazy, you know, I think. Uh, <laughs> where'd, they, where'd they get think, that idea from, Nicole? I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I think that they were grafted to the team sports. 
So, um, but yeah, they do. They do hit a nice ball. They play golf and do all those sorts of things. So, sport plays a really big part in um, in all our lives. Uh, the Australian Open, uh, it's on at the moment. Uh, just as uh, your thoughts on Ash Barty and uh, and where she sits at the moment, given uh, you know you've you've obviously watched it with interest and and, yeah. and with that kind of that that knowledge that you have of that you uh, sort of forged that path before her. Yeah, well, I mean, I took Ash away when she was fifteen in the Junior Fed Cup team, so I got yeah. to see what she was playing like now and obviously like the rest of us shown a keen interest in her career but you know winning a grand slam is not an easy feat and it's hard she's done it once and unexpectedly won the French so she wouldn't have thought that but um now she's hunted for by most other players and but I'm just really happy that she's having some good matches coming into the open so geez there's a whole range of women that could could win a Saka, Pliskova, Kvitova um you know there's a, a ton of girls that are coming through so um Whoever's playing well is going to uh, obviously win the Open. Yeah, we've seen uh, the the men seems to be three or four blokes who do notoriously win everything yeah. around the world. But yeah. the women's side yeah. of the uh, of, of tennis is so open. Yeah, it, it certainly it certainly is. So, and I've just looked at the weather forecast for the first week, and it's really favourable. So I think there's just one day that that's warm. The rest is really nice and pleasant. So. Um, you know, conditions are going to be favourable for the players. So it's just to get through the early rounds unscathed and then as we get towards the middle weekend, that's when you'll start seeing the big guns. But you're always going to see upsets in a grand slam. Yeah. Um, and it's just who can hold their nerve and get through. And uh, you're enjoying coaching? Yeah, love it. I do cardio tennis, which is terrific. So a lot of mums come along and, and guys come along for cardio classes and and do that, and then um, yeah, I've got a few really nice kids that hit a lovely ball that um, that I spend time with. I don't, I do a bit of coaching. I don't, I don't do it like seven days a week. I probably yeah. do it three to four days a week. So that's why I enjoy it because I'm still out in the court a lot. So um, physically, I'm not quite what I used to be. Although I'm still really fit, but it does take your toll when you're that fraction older now. <laughs> I think I think your version of fit and most people's version of fit are probably are probably a little bit uh, different. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. I'm sort of not one to sit around and do nothing. I yeah. like to stay in shape. <laughs> Absolutely. Good on you, Nicole. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Some lovely memories. And uh, enjoy the couple of weeks of the Australian Open. Thanks, Kevin. It's lovely chatting to you. Blade Brothers. Perfectly constructed point. And surprises everybody, I feel, by breaking back. Nicole's parents, they get very nervous, especially Doug Provis, watching Nicole play.